With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SubChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Now, we all know that name-dropping is a practice that many frown upon, but today's episode boasts all the latest developments on China's biggest movers and shakers. We'll be hearing about how tech titan Tencent has been ranked as the nation's most valuable brand. Meanwhile, short video player Kuaishou has scored the rights to two major international sporting events. Here's everything you need to know about China and the world of business this week. I promised some big names, and among the country's most prestigious universities, perhaps none ranks higher than Tsinghua. The top school has welcomed a world-renowned mathematician as a new professor, Kaucher Birkar, who won the Fields Medal will teach at Tsinghua's Children College, an institution formed in March to cultivate mathematics talent. A ceremony for the conferment of the professorship was held in Beijing on Friday. This makes Birkar the second Fields Medal winner to join the university, following Xing Tongyao, a Chinese-American mathematician. The Fields Medal is known as the Nobel Prize in Mathematics. It is the top award in the field. It's been a good week for Chinese brands. A new report by analytics firm Kantar Brands has found that companies from the Asian nation are growing in global esteem. Although the U.S. leads the way in Kantar's latest league table of estimated brand value with 56 out of the top 100 global brands, China ranks second with 18, including one from Hong Kong. Rising two places from last year to rank at number five, Tencent is the Asian nation's most valuable brand. According to the report, the technology giant's brand is worth over $240 billion. The world's second-largest economy's biggest movers included ByteDance Limited's short video sensation TikTok, which soared 34 places to 45th, delivery platform Meituan, which leapt 20 places to 34th, and search giant Baidu, which rose 14 places to 77th. This has also been an exciting week for TikTok rival Kuaishou. The Chinese short video company has won the broadcasting rights to the next two Olympic Games. Last week, Kuaishou announced a deal with China Media Group, the parent of the country's largest state broadcaster, CCTV, to broadcast the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which were postponed until July this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics, which will be held in February. 
The deal comes as Kuaishou doubles down on efforts to expand outside of China to better compete with arch-rival TikTok, which has maintained its crown as the world's most downloaded non-game app for the past year, despite a growing backlash in some of its international markets. Moving on to the latest developments in finance, banks in Hong Kong are gearing up to participate in an experimental program to sell cross-border wealth management products, or WMPs for short, in the Greater Bay Area. However, detailed rules for the program remain pending. The Cross-Boundary Wealth Management Connect Pilot Program will allow Chinese mainland residents of the nine Guangdong cities in the Greater Bay Area to invest in certain products sold by banks in Hong Kong and Macau. Residents of Hong Kong and Macau, the two special administrative regions in the area, will be able to invest in eligible products distributed by mainland banks. A draft regulation for the program was issued in May, but no detailed documents were released on what kinds of WMPs will be made available. China set an initial quota of 150 billion yuan, or just over $23 billion, for the pilot program, meaning neither the total net inflow of funds from Hong Kong and Macau to the mainland, nor the net outflow from the mainland to Hong Kong and Macau will exceed that quota. According to the draft, the cap on an individual's investment was set at 1 million yuan. And speaking of southern China, the trading hub Shenzhen breathed a sigh of relief after mass COVID-19 testing found no new infections among the city's more than 17 million permanent residents. The news may ease fears of new flare-ups. Shenzhen deployed close to 50,000 healthcare workers and 78 testing institutions to conduct citywide nucleic acid testing over three days starting June 21st. As tests were completed June 23rd, no positive results were detected. The southern China metropolis has stayed on high alert and imposed partial lockdown measures after new flare-ups involving new variants of the coronavirus appeared in the city since late May. Let's turn to Shenzhen's next-door neighbor, Hong Kong, which has been witnessing some dramatic developments. After a 26-year run, one of Hong Kong's best-selling newspapers, Apple Daily, issued its final printed edition last week. The news comes after the paper's finances and its staff came under increasing pressure over alleged violations of the region's new national security rules. The board of parent company Next Digital Limited, owned by media tycoon Jimmy Lai, announced the paper's closure Wednesday. Its website also stopped operating. Its sister publication, Taiwan's Apple Daily, issued a final printed edition on May 17th after 18 years. Next Magazine, an entertainment magazine owned by Next Digital, announced Wednesday that it will also cease operations. And finally, the past week also saw some striking developments when it came to China's fight against climate change. In the country's latest effort to boost its influence on international climate negotiations, China launched a $200 million Earth Simulation Lab last week. The move follows in the footsteps of the U.S., Japan, and some European countries. According to an article by the lab's research team published in the peer-reviewed journal Advances in Atmospheric Sciences, the Beijing-based Earth Lab can help better predict trends in the planet's climate and its environment. Over the past decades, international climate negotiations, coupled with negotiations on various countries' commitments to reduce carbon emissions, are among the most complex diplomatic talks as they impact nations' economic interests. 
However, China has long lagged behind other major negotiators due to the lack of its own Earth Simulation Lab. Well, gentle listeners, another huge development in the last week has been the intensification of China's crackdown on cryptocurrency, the electricity-intensive mining, as well as the trade of crypto. Here to walk us through the latest developments is Caixin Global's podcast editor and co-producer of this program, Nandini Venkata. Nandini, great to have you back. Hi, Kaiser. It's great to be here. All right, Nandini. So what's been going on the last week with crypto and China? Yeah, so you could say things have really started to heat up in the area. Um, As I'm sure you're well aware, in the past few weeks, we've seen several Chinese regions and provinces move to shut down crypto mining operations. Um, Among them are Inner Mongolia, Xinjiang, Qinghai, Yunnan, and Sichuan. And of course, Sichuan was the most recent one to take the step. That was just in mid-June, and I believe this is something that you also reported on in the previous week's episode. Now, just last week came another big plot twist. Um, The Chinese central bank actually summoned several commercial lenders, as well as Alipay, the payment service of Ant Group, to a meeting. According to a statement by the central bank, These financial institutions, alongside Alipay, were ordered not to provide any cryptocurrency-related services. And they were also told to launch sweeping inspections of all accounts linked to crypto exchanges and over-the-counter platforms, as well as to cut off their capital flows. And, of course, everyone is cooperating with this. The banks have pledged to follow the central bank's orders and step up inspections of crypto activity. Meanwhile, Alipay also said that it would intensify its own crackdown on cryptocurrencies. Just in, in case anyone isn't clear on why China is getting so tough on crypto, can you uh, tell us why this is happening? What are the major reasons? Yeah, sure. So it all boils down to a mix of reasons. So first of all, there are a a lot of concerns about the environmental impacts of um, crypto mining. That's because the computers um, used in crypto mining operations eat up huge amounts of energy. So a lot of local governments could be concerned about how this could affect China's climate goals. Now, aside from that, there are other reasons why China's not so keen on crypto. Um, For one, the country has long expressed displeasure with the anonymity provided by cryptocurrencies. And I guess this seems like an especially problematic issue because um, what happens if criminals try to make the most of this anonymity to carry out all sorts of devious actions? For example, a statement by the central bank did note that cryptocurrency activities breed risks such as money laundering and illegal cross-border transfers. And on top of that, the Chinese government has also qualms about the speculative nature of crypto and especially how this could potentially destabilize the financial system. Okay, so what does this all mean for the global crypto market? Okay, so unfortunately, that is a huge, huge question. And I think it's far too early for me to give you a concrete answer on that just yet. 
Um, but I can tell you that there have already been reports about crypto miners packing up and actually leaving China. These mining companies are said to be moving to all over the place. Um, we're talking Russia, Argentina, Sweden, and so on. And then there are some who actually say that all of this is not necessarily a bad thing in the long run. Um, so I was actually last week looking at an article by um, Bloomberg, which basically said that um, to have all these mining operations for one particular digital currency, such as Bitcoin, for example, um, focused in one specific country, um, well, that actually puts the particular digital currency in a very precarious situation. After all, um, as we've seen with China, we can see that things can get very messy for that particular currency if the government of that one country decides that they um, want to clamp down on crypto. So in that sense, in the long run, it may actually be much more stable if these mining operations are spread out all over the globe. Now, if that truly happens, well, I'm not sure. I guess we're going to just have to wait and see. Well, thanks, Nandini. And uh, we look forward to having you back on the show soon. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaja Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Lucien of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Here's stories from Caixin Global, SubChina, Sixth Tone, and many other China-focused outlets on the new China Stories podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.